Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships, from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. Today, we talk pain and pleasure, and the unintentional pain caused by some awful and sometimes unwanted messaging, and the pleasure of when people show respect with two sadomasochists. Pavlov's kink is driven both by spirituality and a deep, insatiable slut hunger. In the regular world, she's a domestic, a storyteller, and a trickster. She likes to retell the serious as absurd and makes an academic study of all things playful. Her, her sadomasochism manifests as dark sex, humor, and love. She believes dangerous things done thoughtfully can be healthy but even simple things are dangerous when done thoughtlessly. For the purposes of what women want, it should be noticed that she has never been accused of being a normal woman. She is joined by Ketchin Klein, who is a switch, BDSM educator, academic, and is trained in MMA techniques that help her in her classes teaching rough rope. Two amazing women, two different backgrounds, and two different viewpoints about what women and other wonderful humans want. It's the first five. And we welcome Pavlov and Kat to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And we start with the first five. Five questions that are about firsts. So Pavlov, I'll start with you. What makes a good first impression with you? 
enthusiasm, enthusiasm about whatever's going on or whatever we're talking about, just passion. That's, that's what I like to see. That's what I like to hear that, that instantly engages me. Kat, how about you? Good first impression is really how somebody's carrying themselves, how they're kind of standing in their space and, and just owning where they are in the world or not. So I'm going to let you start on this one, Kat. The first time a message ever really surprised you to the point where you said, I'm going to respond to this one. Okay, so I have to admit, I'm really just curious about a lot of things. So I respond to a lot of messages, um, mostly because I'm just curious what people are either thinking or why they messaged me. So it doesn't take much to, to get me to respond to a message. It's not always right. It's not always something they're happy about, but... <laughs> but I will respond. <laughs> I'm the same way. If I have time to respond to messages, I do. I'm trying to think of something that was really surprising to me. I get messages about something that I've written, um, that somebody has a similar experience in a way that I would not have thought would have been similar. Like they, they had a commonality with something that I wrote or something that I posted that I, I just hadn't seen that approach to it. And so I, I've had several messages like that, but they weren't, they were more just friendly conversational messages, not like people trying to make a, a, a romantic or sexual connection. Cat, first thing that catches your eye when you see somebody. Usually their smile. I notice the kinds of things that they're looking at and the things that they're responding to and what they're paying attention to. That's a good way to go there. Speaking of good things, let's move to the bad things. Kat, the first dick pic you ever received and your reaction to it. <laughs> uh, the first one, gosh, so hard to remember. There's been so many. Um, <laughs> I, mostly I was just like, okay, that's a thing. Interesting. <laughs> Don't know why somebody would do that, but okay, cool. <laughs> I think the first dick pic I was sent was right after I got my first cell phone um, when I was 18. And I had only ever seen one penis in person and it was circumcised. And the first dick pic <laughs> I was sent was an uncircumcised penis. And I just didn't know what I was looking at for a few seconds. Um, because I wasn't expecting it, and I, I, I just didn't know what I had been sent a picture of. And then I had to look up in a bunch of medical textbooks what I was, why it looked different. So that was my first dick pic. At the first time you felt a need to block somebody. The first time, uh, yeah, they were just really rude and kept uh, kept insisting that I give them my number when I didn't want to give them my number, and they didn't they didn't like that answer, and so I was like, "Fine, this conversation's over," and just blocked them. Yeah, very much a similar situation. Um, it was on OK Cupid, and the guy was getting just. I mean, I think I was even trying to meet up to go on a date and I, and there was, there was something about the, when he wanted to meet or where he wanted to meet that he was being really, really pushy about that I just wasn't interested in. And then he got meaner and meaner and meaner as I was trying to do it. And I 
didn't see that ending well. And so I blocked him. Wow. So the guy had a chance and suddenly he didn't. It's possible that he was trying to be dominant and like thought that I was being pushy about Mm. it, but I didn't have a car and I couldn't get to the place that he was trying to push that we, that we met. And that was like unacceptable for some stupid reason to him. Two people getting to know each other, just like we did in high school. Here is seven minutes in heaven. Kat, what are your favorite things to do on a first date? I just like to go do something. So I have gone bowling on first dates or to the to a movie on a first date. Um, dinner is fine for a first date. Um, but um, daytime activities, uh, things like that, depends on how well I know them before we go on a first date or not, though, too. What's the best first date you've had? And they're all different. <laughs> and first dates can be really awkward and doesn't mean anything's wrong with how things turn out later. So um, tell me about a good first date then. Uh, good first dates have been um, just like going out walking around like a town center. Um, there was a place I lived that had a really cute little downtown area that you could go walk around and go sit at a cafe and talk for a while. And um, you know, just kind of hang out and get to know the person some more and see if there was any kind of uh, reason to pursue a second date or not. So that was, that was really pleasant. It was a very nice afternoon and it was a fun time. I, I may also walk around kind of a person. So I like to walk around um, like the city of Pittsburgh, like downtown or up on Mount Washington where, where it's very picturesque or walk around the park. I like, I really like to be in the woods um, going in the woods for a first date's a little bit, with, with the type of people that I, I tend to enjoy, that's, that's a little bit sketchy, so public places are generally better, um, but most of the first dates that I've had have actually, they, they've actually just been kind of more like interviews to see if we're compatible for play or for sex, so they've mostly been mm-hmm. like coffee dates, those I enjoy, I, I enjoy talking to somebody in public about play, first of all, because it's, it's more safe than like, say, going into the woods, but also because I can see how sure they are of themselves discussing that in a public setting, like not like we're trying to be loud or rude or, you know, upset people around us, um, but it, it allows me to see how how sure someone feels about what we're about to do or if they're if they're more shy about it and for me to get a sense of if I'm leading this or if I'm not leading this. One of the best first dates I had was a coffee meetup um, with this switch latex fetishist in Kentucky and I was really upfront that I wasn't sure about if I if I really wanted to play or not like that I I I wanted to just feel out the chemistry and he was totally okay with that and he was just really chill about meeting up he was fine meeting up in in public and he didn't pressure me the whole time and he was just so relaxed and so much so much fun as we were talking that 
that it turned out I really wanted to play with him <laughs> was how that went. <laughs> I love when that happens. That's a wonderful thing. You both are in committed relationships, but you do go outside of those for dates and for play. What is it about a guy that will just attract you or a woman, if that happens to be the case, that just makes you melt? I don't, I don't know. I like the people I like. And I know, I know pretty quick whether or not there's some, something's worth, you know, checking out if I have good, you know, if I have a good time with somebody or we laugh or, or, you know, we, we, you know, conversations easy and smooth and, and, and we have similar interests or I think they may have, you know, time available or whatever, then, then yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of pressure on, on the beginning of anything because, you know, some things just kind of ease into friendship. Some things become more than that, but I'm, I really just start looking for good friendships first and then see what happens after that. That's awesome. Pavlov? So I think that that's definitely the smarter way to go about doing things. I think that that's much more stable <laughs> and I think that that's more healthy. And that's what I am trying to do right now. Um, feel out people on for, for more kind of like fundamental compatibilities first. Um, and I think the only reason I am pulling that off right now is because of the pandemic and quarantine. And I think without, um, <laughs> without being prevented from it, I would otherwise be doing what I, what I has been my pattern of being in a social space or in a play space and just kind of being game for whatever's within my limits and boundaries. And, and then I tend to just pursue people who are doing something that I think looks interesting or seems compatible with a kink of mine and who seems to be enjoying themselves um, in what they're doing. So I, I, I've tended to be like a kind of like a cart before the horse of a play and sex before relationship. And then I've, and then I've developed romantic or deeper attachments following those things when that's there. But I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to reverse that now because it's not, it makes for really great play and really great sex to do it the other way, but it's not mm -hmm. um, super relationship stable. So right now I am having conversations with people online and watching conversations that people are having with each other online and um, looking for people being thoughtful and kind to other people and then going from there. Women and other wonderful humans, I wanted to take time out to share a couple of things with you. It has been said that I do things in untraditional ways and this podcast is no different. Since we are being presented by the amazing people at Dating Kinky, and because I'm doing this from my love of being creative and wanting to help others, I'm offering friends of mine from different communities that I'm so lucky to be a part of to promote their businesses on the show as we get started. With full transparency, I'm offering them the time either because I like the people or I like the product. In fact, I told them that at least for the rest of 2020, I'll promote their business and ask for nothing in return. The only exception is if they wanted me to personally try something for the purposes of reviewing it on the show, but I didn't make it part of the deal. 
I said, if you wanted a personal endorsement about a particular product, I just want to make sure that I use it. But that's not such a big part of the deal. For the most part, it's just wanting to help friends. And I'm going to use this time to help those friends, including my friend Kitten Flow, who has a really cool company called Lucky Kitten Collars. It's pet play gear handmade by a kitten. She makes collars adorned with colorful chains and bells of all sizes. Adjustable ears in lots of fun neon and pastel colors that will stay on even when you're upside down. Harnesses with tails, harnesses to use with your own tail. Everything is made to adjust to almost any body type. She'll also make custom orders, so if you can dream it, chances are she can make it. You can find the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash lucky kitten collars. And you can find her on Instagram at lucky kitten collars, all one word. And since we like to know what women and other wonderful humans want, I know that you want to save a little money. So I am able to do that for you. Use the code WANT20 for a coupon for 20% off your purchase. That's WANT20 for 20% off your order just for listening to the show. So check her store out at Etsy slash shop slash Lucky Kitten Collars. Fantastic things for pet play. Take it from someone called Katsu. Now let's get back to the show. You know you've gotten those messages you just have to talk about. So now we will. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Give me a picture of what your inbox looks like. And I'm going to start with Kat. <laughs> You're going to laugh, but my inbox is crickets most of the time. <laughs> really? Well, my profile is built to make sure that that happens. <laughs> so um, I'm very clear in my profile that I am, um, uh, well, I actually don't advertise a lot about what I'm, I'm looking for relationship-wise in my profile. So it really just sticks to what I do kink-wise as far as topping and bottoming because I'm a very switchy switch. Um, and uh, that's, that's really about it. So I don't get a whole lot of noise in my inbox. I get the odd stray that shows up sometimes lost and I show them the way out and, um, and that's about it. So I, I meet most of my people in real life um, and uh, at events and, and things like that. So pretty much everyone I've pursued any kind of relationship with, I've, I've met first in real life and then we connect online after that. So do you have any tips on how you've written your profile to bring down the number of people that show up in your inbox? No, there's certain, there's certain things. Like, um, I will say that it matters what you put up for your role. So when I was first in the kink community, I had the usual exploring or evolving. I never did put up sub. Um, but uh, those are like magnets for creepers in your inbox. I got a lot of people who thought they could tell me what I might like or, hey, I'm in town. Would you like to you know, do whatever, X, Y, Z? Couples looking for, I want someone to clean my house. I want someone to clean my house. <laughs> I'm not going to clean theirs. So uh, switching my role to sadomasochist. It's both a very accurate reflection of who I am, but it also shut down a lot of that noise immediately. Um, I did have Antarctica listed for a long time because they're 
you know, people will just hit up everyone that's in their area. So I still get people like that now that I've listed Atlanta as my location and they'll just be new in town or they'll just hit up every female with a copy paste message that's nearby. But living in our in Antarctica cuts down a lot of noise. There's a lot of things I'm into that are not on my profile and those are um, things that I save for people who I feel might have an interest in it or I have a mutual interest in them but I don't advertise a lot of um, some of the stuff that would get you uh, some really creepy people in your inbox. But that's also everybody's personal preference about what they want to have out there or not. So, and nobody should get creepy messages in their inbox for whatever reason they put things on their profile. So I don't think that that's right, but because I don't like dealing with it, I just kind of take some of that down. Um, but definitely, um, definitely had a lot more people approach me when I had sub or switch or evolving or exploring on my uh, role. And having someone on your profile, as ridiculous as that is, also cuts that down. Even if you just list, like I have like rope and running amok and all those other weird things, but people don't even bother to read or figure out that those aren't people's names. But when my profile didn't list anyone that I was in a relationship with, I got a lot more um, weird messages. Of love, you're also listed as a sadomasochist on FET. Has it helped you at all? I think so. I think that um, when, is that an identifier? What is that called? When that's, when that's a relationship role that people list, I think that communicates more about relationship roles instead of like sadomasochist is what feels to me to be like my sexual identity, but that's not like a that's not, that's not necessarily a role. So I think that that, I, I think that that makes a difference um, to what people interpret when they read my profile. I don't get a lot of random messages either. Um, I, I have on my profile a link to a writing of exactly how to communicate to me that you're looking for pickup play, like the kinds of information that I, I'm interested in, that I want to know for somebody who wants pickup play. And for the most part, people who message me looking for pickup play or a random hookup follow that list. And then anybody who doesn't, I just put that message, I just archive it immediately. I don't, I don't that's not something I feel pressured to reply to um, the way that I'll reply to most other messages. But I, I don't actually get um, a lot of messages like that. Um, I do get messages from people who say that they're new and they just don't know anything about anything and whether or not they're copy pasting this to a bunch of inboxes, I don't know. Um, but that I seem sure of myself and do I have any kind of advice for them on any of it? So I get a lot of those kinds of messages. I get messages um, about things that I write. Um, I've been trying to explore pictures a little bit more creatively. And so I get some messages about that, but I don't get a lot of, um, hey, be my mistress or be my sub or be my slave. I, I don't get a lot of those messages. Kat, I wanted to ask you specifically, especially during COVID times, you have had some incredible photography 
on mm -hmm. your particular page, does that attract people from time to time and make them go, hmm, I wonder what this person's all about? <laughs> um, thank you very much. I've enjoyed exploring my photography during COVID. It's probably been um, one of the few things that got me through somewhat sane. It really depends on the picture I post. So when I post a lot of people in my rope, I will get a lot of submissive men uh, messaging me, wanting either to play or just asking weird questions sometimes. I've been exploring um, more of my own um, submissive side and things like that. And when I post those kind of pictures, I will sometimes get doms or daddies for whatever reason, um, thinking that I need somebody to whatever. And then randomly I get, I get um, kind of an ebb and flow of sugar daddies. And I, I think they're lost. I don't know why they're looking at my profile for that, but, um, but definitely the activity in my inbox picks up based on what I've posted, pictures and writings, especially if a writing gets popular, will sometimes get me a lot of messages all of a sudden. You two are both amazing writers. Pavlov, I've read a lot of your things and uh, many of them just move me deeply. Do words attract more than pictures sometimes? For me, they do, but I'm not a photographer and I've only very recently thought about trying to communicate an emotion through a picture the way that I've thought about that in words a lot more. If a lot of people happen to see something that I've written, then that can make my inbox unmanageable pretty quickly. And that can take me a while to catch up. So I'd like to move into some of the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And Pavlov, uh, can you share with us uh, any particular message that you can remember or just desperately want to forget that made you go, mm -hmm. you know, maybe human, the human race isn't exactly where I need to be right now. <laughs> So I had one that was more, more frustrating than, uh, the only thing that's coming to mind right now is the, because you, you said about sugar daddies. So there is this guy that was trying mm, to pay right. me $2,000 to just go meet him. And <laughs> I told him, Hey, I'm going to be at the munch on Tuesday. If you show up at for this me. bar, I promise <laughs> you can meet me for free. Like, I'll sit down and have a conversation with you. Like, because, because otherwise he seemed kind of like somebody who, I, in a way I felt some, I, I felt sympathy for him because he was a guy in a small rural town here in Pennsylvania. I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. So like, I get feeling uncomfortable trying to meet anybody or even talk about anything because I, I've always been okay being an outcast, but most people are not comfortable being an outcast. So I, I got his, some of his anxieties. Um, but I just could not convince this guy that for real, he could come meet me for free. <laughs> and I, and I was just, I was very frustrated by that. <laughs> just taking the $2,000 and had him meet you at the munch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that sounds like a really good deal i mean <laughs> i got student loans to pay <laughs> i mean maybe i should have but i i just 
I didn't have the time to meet him. And I was already going to do this thing where he could also show up. Right. That's funny. Kat, I'll start with you. Uh, Are you very careful about the people that you will friend on FET? Or are you somebody that enjoys sharing things? Uh, I'm not too worried about who sees my stuff. Now that they've changed a lot of how those interactions work, I don't friend too many people anymore that I don't know in real life. I'll let people follow me, although I do, unless I'm getting a huge influx of them, which sometimes happens, um, I will often just go check out their profile um, because they'll send a friend request and it automatically clicks them as following you. I generally won't actually friend um, people, mostly because it clogs up my feed too much. And a lot of them are just looking at, you know, 45 different 22-year-old women, and I don't want to see that in my feed all day. So, uh, so if they want to follow me, that's fine. I don't care, but I'm not interested in, in seeing that. But it's not because I'm, I'm careful about it. It's really just managing my feed. Pavlov, you have over 3,000 followers, is it? Mm-hmm. 3,538 as of this writing. That sounds roughly right. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ever amazed at how many there are? I become surprised at the writings that really speak to people. Some things that I know are going to get a lot of attention um, simply because they're shorter or less artsy and more on more on social commentary so I'm I'm not surprised when those kinds of writings get attention but there are some times that I there are there are some of my erotica pieces that I've been very surprised have that, that I'll get a bunch of followers right after that piece um that I wouldn't have thought somebody would have had the patience to read all the way through <laughs> some more like prose poetic kind of things. Don't judge me. I'm in the elevator usually and I have time. So I can be surprised at what really speaks to people. I'm happy for anybody to follow me. I try to restrict my friends list for managing events. Like if I want to host something, it's a lot easier for me to scroll through friends who are local, who I, or or people who I'd want to invite. I try to restrict to people who have seen my face, either in person or as I'm doing like virtual meetups. I also post face pics as, as friends only. I've relaxed that a little bit because I am meeting more people virtually now. So I'm kind of also going with friend requests after that point. Let's pretend that we're not in the middle of this COVID situation that we are and maybe take it back a year and hopefully uh, take it forward to six months from now or so, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. But uh, Kat, I'm going to start with you. When somebody meets you in public, because I believe you do play in public, I know that you did Mm -hmm. at least when you visited Mm -hmm. up to Cleveland when I saw you. When you have somebody approach you personally, what is something that somebody can do that makes you feel like you want to talk to them? And what is something somebody can do that makes you go, oh no, sir? (laughs) I guess mostly it's just whether I feel they're genuinely interested in who I am as a person or if they're just looking for me to me as some kind of fetish dispenser. As a rope top, there's a lot of people who want to 
do rope, but are they interested in rope because they just think it's pretty to be tied up or are they interested in rope because they want me to tie them? There's a difference in the two. So that has a lot to do with it. Um, whether or not they pay attention to what I've asked them to do, because usually I don't generally get approached by random strangers. We usually had some kind of contact somehow, or we've met at a munch or something like that. And they're like, hey, I'd like to tie or whatever. And we've had a few conversations before I, I meet them um, in public somewhere. Yeah, it's as simple as uh, I don't I don't like to tie people without underwear on, especially if I don't know them very well. And he up and he's like, oh, I don't have any briefs on. I'm like, well, then you're leaving your jeans on because, you know, but it doesn't make me want to tie him again because he already disrespected a very simple thing that, you know, would have shown respect for what I want out of the situation. He didn't really care, you know, so things like that those are kind of major turnoffs for me. And when the dick gets in the way of the bite and you're trying to pull the rope through, it's just sometimes a little too much. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a whole different kind of play. And I got to know you a little better than that. <laughs> Pablo, uh, same question to you. When people see you play in public and you've done some amazing scenes, what is it that somebody can do to make you go, wow, I'd like to talk to you. And what are something that somebody will do to make you go, not in a million years? I'm into things that are real and things that are interesting. I am not into things that people think I will think are impressive. When somebody's being real, trying to explain to me why I should be impressed with them or things that they've done that they think are really impressive that that that's a real turnoff to me because it doesn't seem genuine to me it doesn't I don't know if they're just saying things that they think sound good or if they're saying things that are actually real that's got to be like the biggest turnoff to me is when somebody is attempting to impress me I like a lot of different kinds of things. I like to top, I like to bottom, I like to dom, I like to sub, I like really intense play, I like more sensual play. It's not like anybody has to be any kind of specific thing. I just wanna know what are they really? And I don't even particularly care if they're into me in a genuine way or not. I want to see something genuine about them. When I look at your pictures, you don't have a lot of pictures up on FET, but the ones that you have are very, very nice. And I'm talking, and we're not friends, so I just see the 28 that you have there. One caught me in particular, however. The one without a face. <laughs> it, it was a picture that, and I think I even commented on it, that looked like it was out of the Black Mirror episode, USS Callister. And I don't know if you've seen that yet. And if you haven't, you have to see it because it is one of the most amazing scenes ever. And it looks exactly like what you're showing. I haven't seen it. So apparently I need to watch it. So by not showing your face and just showing other parts of you, do you think anybody can really know you just by those pictures? Um, you mean recognize me if they knew me in real life? No, I, I mean, feel like I absolutely can know this person because, you know, that they have the body type that I like. You know, the way a typical male might approach things saying, oh, yeah, she, 
she looks like a gymnast or she looks like this. And yeah, that's my type. Something that I like about the very small picture parts of my face that I've shown is that I think I look like a different person in each of those pictures. I don't know if this is actually the case, but I have the perception that I look really different in these pictures and that amuses me personally. Um, but I don't, I don't know if anybody else looks at it that way. The picture of me without a face is my favorite picture that I have up. Um, that was the, that was the first picture where I had a really creative inspiration that I wanted to express through a picture instead of through words, um, that I, that I had this idea of taking my hand and wiping it across my face and just removing all of my features, like, like almost like grabbing my skin and pulling my skin across my face and erasing all of it. And that was the first time I've been creatively inspired in, in a visual way instead of in a words way. So that's, that's my favorite picture that I have up. <laughs> I don't know if people have a sense of, of kind of who I am from the pictures. It's really, I just do them because they're fun projects. I just get a wild hair sometimes. I'm like, let's go do this. Or somebody's doing like a challenge and I have time. Time is sometimes a, a major constraint and I'll be like, I have time and this is, this looks like fun. I have some ideas that we could do for this. Um, so that's why they're kind of all over the place. And it really just started when I first got on FET. It was just a way for me to feel comfortable in my skin. I didn't used to take pictures like that or be naked in pictures or dressed up in pictures or anything. And so doing the photography was really a way of seeing myself in different ways and being comfortable with it and enjoying it. And if people like it, that's great. And, and some of my favorite pictures don't get a whole lot of attention because they're maybe not that spectacular. And, and I've had others that I weren't really wasn't really happy with, but just thought, oh, well, this is kind of cool, and I want to post something, I'll post this one, and they get huge amounts of attention, and I'm like, I, okay, you know, like, I don't, I can't always say what's going to be really interesting to people or not, and so I, 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 I kind of let go of the whole idea of caring what anyone else thinks about it. I really just do it because I think it's fun, or I like the picture, or my tits look nice there, so, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I post that one. Yeah, so I don't think anyone can really get a sense of me from my pictures. There's a lot more to me than what I could ever express in a picture. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was to allow women to share stories. But I think it's even more important for men to be able to hear what actually works as far as being a gentleman, <laughs> having respect, not being overly pushy. So Kat, I want to start with you. If you can give suggestions to a guy that wants to get your attention, and I'm not saying I want them to go do that now. I'm just saying yeah. if you were to give tips to a guy who wants to get your attention with a message either on social media or on FET, what are the things that go into it? Uh, and this goes for any gender, because I don't just date men. People who attract my attention, who pique my interest, people who, who really approach me with something interesting to say. Like, it's not like, you know, telling, you, telling me you think I look pretty or my tits are great or I have nice eyes. Okay, that's great. Thanks. But that's not interesting. Um, but if you've read something I've written or 
you have interesting things that you do, or we have some interests in common that, you know, we might uh, talk about, or they ask me questions about technique or what kind of roof are you using? Or, you know, what was that trick with that lighting that you did to make the picture look like that? That's an interesting conversation. Then we can start talking, but just commenting on how I look physically or, you know, telling me how great your dick looks or whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't interest me at all. Pavlov, you list as, uh yourself as both married and dating someone, how does someone get your attention the right way? Well, I think that sort of depends on exactly what their intentions are. Um, if they are just looking to play, I've got that writing that's linked right on my profile of exactly the kinds of things that they need to share with me that they're into and what kinds of limits they have and what their safer sex practices are. If you're, if you're just looking to like hook up, then the constraints are basically, do we like the same things? Do we have any chemistry? Do we have time? time. The, the time is the big one there. Be straightforward. I'm really blunt. I'm a really blunt, straightforward, more literal person. Being subtle about what it is that you want um, or why you're talking to me is going to go right over my head. Um, if you say you want to be friends, I'm going to think that you want to be friends. I am never going to hear, oh, I'm trying to be non-threatening. Um, if what somebody means is, hey, I really want to pursue you, but I don't want to do that in a threatening way, that is exactly what they should say to me. I am more on the lookout for aggression and boundary pushing with men than I am with people who are not men. Someone who isn't a man missing something that I said and kind of, kind of pushing something a little bit, I'm more likely to think that they just missed it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm unfairly more likely to assume that the consequences are probably higher with a, with a man missing something. So lack of aggression is more important there question that I always have, because I know how I approach people and what I think is right for me may not be right for everybody else, but uh, Kat, how do you not become jaded from all the wrong ways that people can approach you? To go, um, I don't know if I even want to do this anymore, because I hear <laughs> that story a lot. Really? Uh -uh. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I try not to take it personally if I don't feel like someone's a good match for me. I look at it more like I'd rather that they self-selected themselves early. I don't want to waste time with someone that isn't going to be a good match. So if they do something that I don't like or doesn't work for me, or I feel, you know, pushes a boundary or ignores something that's important to me, then they've already told me what I need to know about them. I'm not going to try and make that work. And I'm going to be happy that they did that early in and, and then I move on and meet other people. So I'm not, um, I'm not, I, I, like I said, I go into this looking more for friendships first. I want to meet interesting people and have interesting people around me. And if something more develops from that, that's great. And if it doesn't, well, then I still have a lot of really good friends. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't shift gears in that way, um, you know, until I, hopefully get to know them a little bit better. So yeah, so if people act up and act stupid right out the gate, well, thanks, that's great. I don't need you around me. So go go on and, and find someone else to hang out with, someone who's a better match for you, because obviously I'm not. So I guess that's how I look at it. 
Pavlov, is the fatigue factor hit you yet? Or do you still believe that there are some good guys out there and some good women for that matter? Um, so maybe a little bit of, of there can be fatigue, but I also don't take it personally when somebody's not a match with me. That just means they're not a match with me. Um, the kind of thing that I feel more fatigued with now than when I first got into the kink scene a, a million years ago, um, is people not really understanding themselves and trying to represent what they're looking for or what they want to do or what their motives are in play or what the emotions are that they're looking to explore and like really having good intentions about it but not knowing themselves well enough to to actually to go to those places or we end up in a place that nobody was intending um, because of a, a, a not good understanding of self um, so in that sense, I'm a little bit fatigued by lack of self-awareness, but I think this is also something that is maybe just a factor of age where I am just enjoying more older people who know themselves better and mm -hmm. the fatigue might have been more related to <laughs> younger people who know themselves less well, um, so I might, I might be fatigued with, and not to say like people who are new to kink necessarily, because you can be new to kink and mm -hmm. still know yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But I might, I might be kind of done with people who don't know themselves very well. That will lead perfectly into my next question and I'll let you lead it off. What can a guy put in his profile that will make you go, hey, he does know himself. What are some of the things that can go into a guy's profile that make you go, this guy could be all right? Anything that's actually talking about himself and not a lot about um, what his expectations are for partners. Um, somebody who's talking a lot about what their expectations are for their partners or their relationships or other things, somebody who's, who's doing a lot of talking about external stuff um, kind of strikes me as maybe, maybe who somebody is not looking inward very much. Um, and that's not to say like, I wanna see like a lot of self-absorbedness on somebody's profile, but I, I do want to see some kind of indication of inward perspective, introspection of some kind. Chad, how about you? What would you suggest that goes on a good profile? Well, I think she's got a very good points there. And um, I like to see something that reflects something about who they are. So the language that they're using when they're writing that as far as how they're talking about their selves or their interests or why they're there or, you know, what they're looking for in kink um, does matter. So somebody who is... Um, using a lot of, uh, you know, denigrating language uh, right out the gate on their profile about the people around them or people they interact with, I'm not going to be very interested in. Um, and, uh, but people who are, you know, expressing their, I don't need to see a lot about their outside interests, but 
that they have a couple things there might be nice. I mean, I don't have any of that on my profile, so I guess it's not really fair, <laughs> but yeah, mostly I'm just looking for like a, a, some kind of a hint into how their head's going to work, you know, like what's, what's, what's going on in there? Why are you here? How do you talk about things? I, I want to see that. But beyond that, I'm not really that picky about the content. I had the opportunity to interview three fetish models for this particular show. And one thing that they all talked about was they worried about guys who just saw them as fetish models as opposed to real people. Most of the pictures that you all have on your FET profile, and I don't know about any other kind of social or dating profiles that you have, are rather let's just say sexy pictures. So when you want to get to know somebody, how do you get them away from that to realize it's the person that has the heart and the mind and not just all the equipment that you like so much? Kat, I'll let you start. I mean, that usually takes like five minutes of conversation. I can already tell, like, you know, if all they're talking about is, you know, my naked bits, then I already know we're not you know, I'm going to be bored in those, after those five minutes, I'll be like, well, look, there's something, you know, the tea is ready, whatever, I'm done, you know, the conversation's over. Um, and, um, you know, if they can't see past that, that's, that's evident pretty quickly. That's, it doesn't really take long to figure out. Um, so they, they kind of self-select pretty fast. Pavlov? Yeah, I think I probably, so, so I have two very different answers to this. One is that I occasionally have use for those people who see me as nothing but a fetish object. That can be super hot play. So if I am in a public place and I want to play with a stranger and I think that that's relatively safe, I might seek out somebody who I am pretty sure sees me as nothing but like, like fuck me. Like that might be fine. Um, but I'm not going to look to make anything more of that. And then my other very different answer is that I think I tend to be too much for somebody who sees me that way if that's not what I am going for. Um, I, I don't know if I am intimidating or if I am just non-responsive because I'm not, I don't know if I don't respond in the right way to when somebody is, is is treating me more like a fetish object and I'm just not into it or not offended by it or I just kind of keep being me and don't react to the thing that they're doing and that's very off-putting to them uh, most of the time. So they tend to walk away from me. So that's not really something that I generally have to manage. One of the things that I like to do rather than just say, hey, how can we find you on social media and things like that? I like to hear a little bit about what one of your passions is. And I think I know what yours is, Pavlov. It's the art of the word. So I could talk about my writing or I could talk about um, <laughs> uh, maybe how a lot of my writing happens. Um, I like to clean, actually. Talking about somebody wanting to come clean your house. Um, <laughs> I, I actually really enjoy cleaning and I enjoy um, detail oriented like uh, manual labor and it is when I am moving that my brain 
flows and that the word flows. And so in order, in order to write, I have to clean. And then after I've been cleaning, I can sit down <laughs> and, and write. And I've never thought of the idea of cleaning to get rid of writer's block. I may have to try that <laughs> next time. <laughs> Kat, That's tell awesome. me about one of your passions that just makes you extremely happy. Oh, um, <laughs> um uh, so I don't know. There's a lot of, I like a lot of things. I'm, I, it doesn't I like have to be just one. <laughs> um, I mean, kink is, is a really strong passion of mine. I don't know if that's appropriate, but. Well, Nookie Notes and Dating Kinky would say it's very appropriate for this podcast. Oh, okay. Well, good. Fine then. Yeah. So, um, no, I really enjoy um, working collaboratively with people to come up with a lot of, you know, fun, weird things to do. Um, a lot of the scenes I end up doing um, with my partners are just weird ideas that we're like, that sounds like it would be fun. And then we go figure out a way to make it happen. And then we end up doing it. And We've done all kinds of crazy things from wax pours and in, in, in a kiddie pool full of ice and <laughs> things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. I like, I like problem solving in ways that bring people a lot of enjoyment. And so kink is a very good outlet for me in that way. Um, but, um, but I like, you know, doing things. So we, I go hiking a lot and I go, um, with friends and such. And, and when it wasn't COVID, I, I did, you know, various uh, sport activities and things like that. So, but right now it's just, you know, at least kink is still happening. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> but no. Mm -hmm. um, ish. Um, I, I, uh, I hate it and I still do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my relationship with CrossFit. I hate it, but I still do it. So, <laughs> um, and there were certain sports I did, um, before I got into kink, probably looking for the things I find now in kink. So I did a lot of grappling and jujitsu and things like that. Um, and then I found kink and I was like, oh my God, like we could do this and have all the sexy fun too. That's, I like that. <laughs> I can, so. I can personally attest to the grappling and the jujitsu. <laughs> I have, I have, I have been uh, underneath some of that and found myself wrapped up in rope faster than I ever could have imagined. Aww, but it was so much fun. It was See? fun. That's what, like. That's what I like doing. And I enjoy teaching. Um, and that has spilled over into kink and I'm, I'm teaching more classes now and rope classes and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying that. And had COVID not happened, I was going to be teaching in the Atlanta mentors, um, program too, but uh, that got put on hold. So, You all aren't public figures as it was. I don't think you have anything to promote, but you might. How can people find you if you want them to find you? I, I am teaching a class in a couple months, two months or, or three months. I, I need to ask Bridge about that. Um, it's my beyond aftercare class about how play changes us in the short, medium, and long term. Um, so that is a class coming up in a few months. Um, but it's, 
it's about understanding the ways that we condition ourselves to respond to different kinds of stimulus and different people and different settings and how you can be mindful about trying to get back to like more of a baseline place um and or you could be not mindful about that and just changed and not understanding that you're changed that is posted on my profile and i will be posting the link to when the class happens um as soon as i have the date on that i think it's a december class but i but i need to ask bridge it's i'm teaching it for pittsburgh bridge because we love inside the actors studio here is the pivo questionnaire on the what women and other wonderful humans want podcast it's a fun questionnaire that lets us get to know a little bit more about you so I will allow Kat to start, and then Pavlov, you can have your answer after that. What is your favorite word? <laughs> Irascible. You'll have to tell me what that means. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's like incorrigible. Incorrigible is another one. That's a good one. I like incorrigible. I know, right? Like I have to pick one. Yeah. Although moist would just piss everyone off. I kind of like that. Yeah. Anyway, say it. Right? Moist. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a good one Kat you might have known what the next question is what is your least favorite word hmm why do I have to have feelings about words <laughs> I'm a scientist I don't have feelings about words they're just words um can't I don't like that word, can't. Least favorite word. The word unique bothers me because of a ridiculous um, pet peeve where I always want it to be its math definition of something is unique if and only if it is the thing that has this exact property. And if anything else has that property, then it's the same thing. And this word is not you, and the word unique obviously does not have that mathematical definition. Um, but this word frustrates me <laughs> because I always hear it first as the math word, and then it's, it's never the math word. That's always such a disappointing word. It really is. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you might have taken improv at one time or theater because one of the warm-ups is, and I don't know if I can do it, but I will give it a try. You know New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York. <laughs> and sometimes people get caught on that unique one. It's like, and you're supposed to say it over and over and faster and faster to get your mouth warmed up. It sounds like the a good mouth know. warm up. And I can see how that would also <laughs> produce a frustration with the word unique. 
<laughs> Top thing that turns you on, Cat. A wicked mind. Fear. Fear is my number one turn on. <laughs> <laughs> what sound do you love? Sound? God, that's such a weird question. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna give you plenty of time to think about I like this. Like rain. I, um, I, I like the sound of rain. Yeah. One of the houses that I lived in had a tin roof, and mm. I I really like the sound of rain. Sure, put that one down to you. <laughs> I'm coming up with anything else. <laughs> what sound do you hate? Sound of money leaving my checking account. <laughs> I always hate that one. I hate it. It's terrible. Shouldn't happen. <laughs> All right. I have I have a ridiculous answer for this. I hate the sound <laughs> that a door latch, like the little part of the doorknob that sticks into the door frame, mm -hmm. the sound that that makes as that clicks into place when a door shuts, I hate that sound. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Kat, what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> uh, the one I probably say far too much, which is fuck. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like fuck, fuck has to be the best one, but it doesn't even seem like it should be a curse word. It just seems like a wonderful word. It's so bad. That should have been our favorite right. word. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite word. <laughs> and finally, if you believe that heaven exists, what would you like mm. to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> yes, bitches. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no, you're talking to an atheist. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> Okay, well, good. That's what I wish they would say. Yes, come on. <laughs> I wish that God would say, oh, hello, Pavlov. Now let's sit down and answer all of your questions. <laughs> I think that's the perfect answer. And that's a great way to finish up this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I thank Kat for being with us. I thank Pavlov for being with us. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. These two women are so creative and passionate about the scene, and it was great visiting with them. Pavlov's writing are a thing of beauty, and if you have an opportunity to take a look at them on FetLife, I absolutely encourage you to do so. And Ketchin Klein's pictures, out of this world. That is one woman who genuinely enjoys presenting herself in a way that is totally genuine. Always great talking to both of them. Next week, we will have a very special episode with one of my favorite podcasters and someone I have a creative crush on. It's Lady Pym, a pro dom from Toronto's Ritual Chamber, as well as an educator and the host of the absolutely amazing Bed Post Podcast. We would love to hear from you, so you can write me at john at datingkinky.com. That's J-O-N at datingkinky.com. And now that we're on Apple Podcasts as well as Google, please, if you get a chance, 
subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us. And you notice I didn't say give us a five-star review because honestly, we've got to earn those. And we hope we did. This is John, known in some circles as Hi There Catsuit, thanking you for being with us and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.